The content discussed in this episode is for educational or informative purposes only and should not be replaced by individualized professional consultations or professional medical advice. Hey guys, I'm Tasha. Hey listeners, this is Guni. And you're tuned in to Dotev the podcast where we chat and explore all things on integrative medicine. Ashwini Manase is a counseling psychologist who specializes in perinatal mental health, which means she works with new and expecting parents. She also does a lot of work with people going through significant life or relationship changes and has specialized training in acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. Her career in counseling started in Melbourne, Australia, and now has continued across borders with Alliance Counseling in Singapore. She is also a badass, super cool mom to an adorable baby boy and is now working towards furthering her training in eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And so, without further ado, welcome Ashwini to Dotif the podcast. Thank you for having me on the show. It's very exciting um, to be talking about a topic that I'm very passionate about, both professionally and personally, experiencing it right now. Um, Shwini, like, you know, you're a new mom, right? And and most of your clients are new moms or new uh, parents-to-be, basically. So in, in your experience, what are the common things you, you see or themes that you see with your clients? Um, that's a, a yeah, big question. I've got lots to share when it comes to, I guess, uh, challenges that mums face. Um, so I see uh, mums, anything from like newborn, like who have just had babies all the way until like they have toddlers, like you know, multiple sometimes toddlers and are just kind of struggling with the challenges of managing the unexpected things that come up with kids. So all sorts of stuff. There's grief and loss around birth that I see a lot as well. Um, in fact, my, I myself struggled with that um, having a, a child, you know, having an emergency section and a child brought to ICU, I found that right um, a, a real challenge for me. Like, what was I guess in a sum in summary, um, your experience with with you know uh, having that happen to you? Um, I think what was really difficult was I went into labor much earlier than I thought, so just not feeling prepared, um, practically even, um, but also yeah, just. Yeah. Ed for what was to come um, and being separated at birth from my baby. And um, that was, yeah, just, it was quite difficult. And I don't think I realized how much it impacted me until later on. And I would, you know, go to see my obstetrician or I would hear my baby cry. And that, those were really triggers for me because they would bring back lots of memories. And um, I found myself kind of kept going back to the birth and, and kind of going it over and over in my head. And so then I realized that I really do need to see somebody. And I, sought treatment. I had EMDR and um, yeah, it was fantastic. I feel that women don't really want to talk about the negative side of it. For for someone who hasn't had any children, uh, I just feel that it's an experience that is somewhat glorified and the whole thing of you, you're going to be glowing, etc. And But secretly you feel that there is something that they're not telling you. <laughs> yeah, and so you being specialized in that, in, in more the postpartum side, I think is, is very unique and it kind of brings a light on something that women feel like they need to hide or, or not talk about. Do you, do you know why it's a thing? And if it mm-hmm. is, why do you think women kind of hide that side and don't really want to talk about it? Yeah. And that's a really good point. And, and I do agree. I do feel like there isn't, there's just so much that's unsaid and, I think women really go into this 
unprepared. And like, I hear women telling me like, you know, why didn't anyone tell me that like naps are going to be really hard, like getting my baby Mm -hmm. to sleep during the day. Like everyone says you won't get much sleep, but they never really tell you that actually even just getting your baby to sleep is really hard. Mm -hmm. And not only at night, it's during the day. I guess a lot of women, um, I don't know. I think we'd like to show that we're coping really well. We like to put on this like super mom Mm. kind of look and we are quite guarded. Like we don't want to share our vulnerabilities. We don't want to tell people when we're struggling because maybe it means acknowledging that, you know, we are struggling and Mm. them it might feel like a failure. Um, I know, I, I mean, the circle of friends I have are very open, but I know there's still a lot of shame and stigma talking about not coping. And sometimes moms feel guilty when they say anything negative about their birth experience or parenting, because a lot of shame comes up like, you know, they'll think I'm a bad mom if I talk negatively about my baby or my birth. Like I, I should only share that I'm happy. And actually that's why they call it smiling depression. Um, so postnatal depression is actually called smiling depression because mm. on the outside, like moms look like they're coping, you know, they, they kind of have to, right. They have to get on with things. Um, they're out with other moms. They may have to look like they're coping, but often right. it's under the covers that they're crying. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those types of depression that is actually quite hard to detect because on the outside, they look often like they've got it all together, but mm-hmm. on a bit of a show, but actually, no behind closed doors. Most women are struggling. And that's actually one thing I share a lot with other moms in counseling. I, I spend a lot of time normalizing that, like, mm-hmm. tell them, like, actually, I hear this all the time. Like, you're not the only mom. I'm feeling mm-hmm. that way. And sometimes that's enough to make them feel, like, significantly better. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's so interesting that you pointed that out because moms have to cope. They have to just manage. And because they're always uh, playing this role of like, I need to just deal with it. Um, Your mind also is like trying to believe the message you're sending. And so if you lack that awareness, then it's easy to just like buy the message that you're selling yourself. I can imagine that being like a real difficult cycle to break, especially because being a mom is like, it's always on, right? And then that's why it makes it hard to detect. Definitely. Um, and yeah, there's just no kind of pausing and, and checking in with yourself. And there's so much, it's like all the focus is always on the baby that yeah. moms really tend to neglect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a real problem. I guess that's when they get burnt out and can slip into depression or anxiety. I remember having my cousin. So her mom went to see her and was there to say, I'm going to take care of my daughter and not the child. Because as you were saying, is that from the moment the child is delivered, the focus is directly on the child. And in the same time, I had another friend who was from Portugal, but her mom said, I'm going for the baby. And I thought, okay, different perception or goals. And the mother is supposed to deal with the trauma of like this human being that is leaving your body after nine months. Um, And I guess that also physically speaking, like literal physical separation. Mm -hmm. And so she's into Ayurveda. So she brought in some herbs for the healing uh, part of of her daughter. And she was focused on her daughter and not on the baby. Mm -hmm. And whereas the Western side was more, uh, how can I help you with with the child, more taking care of the child? And I thought it was such a powerful moment as like a mother-daughter type of experience because um, at least she's been seen, you know. Do you feel that you kind of, uh, as a mother, you you disappear for, like as a person for for a bit? 
Um, yeah, I, I can see how that could happen if you don't have the right support. I think it it really depends. I think each woman is so different. And I know in Asian culture, a lot of the women I see, they have a confinement nanny who lives with them for at least the first month yeah. and cooks for them, you know, gives them massages, does everything for the baby so the mother could rest. And mm, right. a large part of that is because there's acknowledgement that the mom needs to heal. The mom, you know, has had a you know, major, major, like, you know, changes in their body and is healing. And whether it's labor or a C-section um, is sleep deprived. And they really do see in this culture, at least I'm in Singapore, the need for support for moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, as a psychologist, I really do see the benefit in that because if your cup is not full, then you can't really, you don't have anything to pour for this child. So right. moms do really yeah. need to put themselves first. And I think, you know, just to, to everyone out there, like when you are visiting a mom or whether it's a friend or a relative and they've just had a baby, like try to look at the mom and ask the mom, you know, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. How are you, how are you um sometimes mm. again, even as visitors we just straight away attend to the baby and you know yeah like our fixation is just on the baby and how beautiful they are mm. which is of course part of it and you will do that but take time to acknowledge the mom and ask her specifically like how is she feeling emotionally that, that question can really go a long way yeah i think that's a that's a good tip uh, to practice <laughs> um so you said like uh, the one of the first trauma point might be like, you know, from delivery, right? And other than that, what are the other things that they come to you for? Yeah, so I guess as, yeah, as a new mom, um, one of the biggest issues would be like breastfeeding that women struggle with. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that I think is they assume is just kind of going to happen naturally. You know, how hard can it be? Um, there's so much focus and preparation on the birth and that comes immediately after the birth. Yet there's little... Um, preparation for that part and that is what women really struggle with a lot because they may not have the right support in the hospital you know it's very normal their milk won't come in for a couple of days um, and it can be very stressful because hospitals may start to suggest formula and that may not be what they want um, and they are kind of they may feel pressured to go down that track they feel the stress that their milk is not coming in mm-hmm. their baby may not be latching you know, there may be weight concerns. So it can be a very stressful time and puts a lot of pressure on the mom to feel like they need to provide for their baby and mm. they're failing if they can't feed their baby that way. Right. Of course, there's moms who choose not to, but there's a lot of pressure to breastfeed. Right. And of course, because there are benefits of it, it also comes from, you know, WHO has advised that like it's important to breastfeed um, mm. exclusively, you know, for the first year and then maybe from your own community, even online, like right. they're part of just social media also and amongst their mom group friends watching mm. other women being able to do it yeah um, so one thing i would really suggest is finding the right support for breastfeeding i think a lot of women like forget there are people out there who can help you and like like as much as doing birth preparation classes are important you can actually do a pre-lactation consult so even before you have the baby at 37 weeks you can have a a lactation consultant help you do colostrum harvesting which helps the milk come in helps you freeze colostrum so then if your baby has to go to ICU or your milk doesn't come in straight away just takes that pressure off 
Um, Sorry, what is, what is colostrum? <laughs> colostrum is like the liquid gold that comes out like those first few days after the baby is born, but you actually start to produce it already while you're pregnant um, mm -hmm. in those last few weeks. So you can hand express, put it into syringes and freeze it. Um, I'm not an expert in this, but uh, my mom's a lactation consultant, so I have some yeah. experience. She helped me a lot. And it's actually more about being comfortable with your body, like learning how mm. you know, your breasts work. Like, Yeah. It's just one less thing to have to figure out after a baby comes out is like how your body functions. Um, and if you can kind of get comfortable with that before and your husband can even you know learn how to support you with breastfeeding before the baby comes, it's just one less thing to deal with once the baby's there. Interesting. Yeah. If I look at my mom, her experience with breastfeeding, she would tell tell us about this. And she said it was a horrible experience because for her, it actually hurt so much that every time you know she she was breastfeeding my brother she said she would dread that moment and so she started giving formula quite early and that stigma that goes to i think it goes back to like expectations uh or what society thinks you should be doing and what your body can mm -hmm. do or what you're expecting for yourself for her till this day she's like women who do not want to breastfeed she's totally like for them like I think it goes to another extreme um <laughs> but would you be able to explain like why why it would hurt that much um I'm not an expert in this but I think the most important thing is choice firstly like health professionals you know should really just ask like what would they like to do what not assuming that every woman like to breastfeed Some women don't want to for personal reasons, um, any reason really, it doesn't matter, mm. but it's really about choice. Interesting that you you said that um, one of my good friends was telling me that when she gave birth to her second son in Belgium, I think she had a lot of stress and she was actually struggling. She really wanted to breastfeed and she, you know, she understands the value in it. And her doctors and her nurses were actually shaming her for not breastfeeding. And she kept telling them like she's trying and I, she already saw a lactation consultant And she was still struggling with that. And this is what I couldn't understand. Like, why is a medical professional making you feel worse about something that you are trying to to fix, right? So I, I can imagine the trauma on top of like the pressure that you put on, on yourself, like the society kind of telling you this is how you should do it. Absolutely. Yeah, they get it. I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I think that many people are above breastfeeding and that can make a woman who doesn't want to or who's struggling feel a lot of shame, a lot mm. of guilt. And it, it can be a very tough part of this postpartum period for a lot of moms. Um, if for women who want to breastfeed, getting support is really important. For women who choose not to breastfeed, you know, sticking by that, if that's important to you, that that's yeah. okay. And there will be a lot of stuff out there, but you need to surround yourself by professionals that support your values and your choices. And if there are family and friends and social media that is making that choice hard for you, then really kind of setting some boundaries on, on that for your own mental health. Mm. Okay. Makes sense. So um, there's one thing that I'm dreading from being pregnant. If that happens to me is the change in my body from stretch mark to actually having like just that, that experience is kind of scary. Uh, what have you picked up on with your, your clients or with regards to body body change? Um, that's a big thing that comes up for several reasons. For some women, just the physical changes actually can impact their functioning. So even incontinence or if it can affect their ability to exercise. And some of them are quite active before they have babies and then they right. really need to slow down. That's you. That's you, Guni. Yeah. I was like, how am I going to be like back, back on my treadmill or even just running or just like, yeah, that recovery period. And even when you're 
you're pregnant, right? You can't really necessarily work out as much as you used to. So yeah, definitely activities. Mm. On a side note, I just remembered this thing when I was in Sri Lanka on a holiday. I climbed like a Siguria rock and there was a woman and she had a newborn with her in like the sling and she was climbing the rock and it was raining and I, I was shocked and also amazed at the same time and could see myself judging this woman because I'm like how is she doing this and is this something she should be doing but it's interesting as you were saying that I was thinking so many mums like look at other mums in that way and think oh my god how come she's doing it and I can't how come this mm. woman's lost so much weight and I haven't yeah. and how come you know, there's so much comparison that goes on at this stage. And you're not really you know, being kind to yourself when you do compare yourself. Um, and everyone's recovery, you know, is going to look different depending right. on what kind of birth you had, your own body, um, you know, your baby, your support system. Everyone's recovery is different. So really focusing on your own situation. Um, again, giving yourself time to recover, like taking it slow i think a lot of women forget how much they've been through their body and their their whole being has been through through birth and they have a lot of pressure to like you know maybe at three months i need to get back into activity again and sometimes they set really unrealistic goals um so be kind to yourself give yourself time you know ease into it um i would say as well a lot of, a lot of women forget get that even after you've had the baby you also need to regularly seek consultation from like women's physio um there's a lot of changes that happen down there with pelvic floor issues mm -hmm. incontinence vaginismus can happen a prolapse um yeah lots of changes um to our bodies in terms of women's health issues so again i'm not a specialist in this but i would definitely recommend seeing a women's physio after giving birth usually i think it's after six weeks you should see someone for how you can recover and but yeah osteopath or chiropractor just to kind of get your alignment back again and you know, there's lots of aches and pains that come with breastfeeding and delivery and just you know, getting all of that checked out i, I wonder ashwini like if for me i'm, I'm, I'm not a mom right but then uh, as an outsider who's not gone through the process i often think that like oh if our ancestors did this um, without any like guidance and assistance from you know medical professionals, how come we can't do the same thing, right? Why can't we just take this uh, natural healing process, a natural process of of delivering? Um, is that something that like you see that comes up as an issue? Yeah, I, I definitely notice that there is this difference. I don't not necessarily what my clients are saying, but just from my own observation, from my own parents and their you know their generation. I think part of it is them lacking resources and knowledge. Um, I think a lot of these women like have issues like a goodie's mom who is having pain with breastfeeding and like maybe at that point like I don't know if lactation consultants were like really well trained in this area even like women may have incontinence now um, you know our moms our grandmas we don't know about that um, right. but maybe if they saw women's physios like we do now they may have had years of like you know pelvic floor training and, and exercises that may have helped prevent some of that um, so I think one part there may be lack of of our awareness of and their awareness of the support and it's also our lifestyles are also very different right i don't know about your mm -hmm. parents and grandparents but my parents told me they used to walk a lot more than we used to and mm -hmm. ride bicycles and you know they weren't living as sedentary lifestyles as we are so i'm right. sure that has a big part to play in how our bodies cope with these changes yeah um like i guess with with what guni just said like how women generally set high expectations of themselves um how much of that stress and you know if you're not able to meet that right how much of that stress actually can translate and, and pass on to a child and have an impact on the child 
Yeah, that's something I, I think about even in parenting right now, right? So if we're constantly aiming to be perfect, like our child doesn't see us as human. And then when they make mistakes or if they're not good enough, they're going to feel like they're failing. So even today, you know, even though I'm a psychologist, you know, I make mistakes all the time. And like my son was, he's almost two and he was driving me you know, nuts today, just <laughs> spilling water, throwing food, not eating anything, just one of those days. Um, and I raised my voice at him and I don't often do that, but I had really like reached my threshold and I mm. raised my voice. And I realized in that moment that like, I have this power to like use that moment as a teaching moment. Like I could mm. kind of, you know, beat myself up about it or that I could actually use that as a moment to like help him see that this is really normal um yeah sometimes you you know we're, we're all human and so I just sat down and I apologized to him for raising my voice and he just said like okay mommy like you know he really he actually took note of it and felt he actually realized what I was saying and yeah um, <laughs> yeah I mean like just teaching them to like forgive themselves that you if you can forgive modeling that's the word modeling you can model to your children that like you're human you make mistakes but what's more important is the repair attempts mm-hmm. um yeah, relationship, right. relationship, right? Um, yeah, so I guess like we talked about the trauma from labor, the breastfeeding challenges and, and even body changes. And I think one of the points I wanted to touch on is also like baby sleep cycles. I, I noticed this was something uh, a few of my new mom friends had a lot of uh, obstacles with because, you know, there's so many schools of thought about how to, to train your baby to sleep and how to care for your baby, you know, in, in that space. What, what's, what's your kind of take on, on this? Um, yeah, this is definitely like a very sensitive topic. I didn't realize that until I came into this mom world and realized like how there are very different schools when it comes to sleep. Right. So with the women I see, a lot of them struggle with like this loss of control that they have before they have babies so when we're so used to routine and then we have a baby and like we don't know when they're going to sleep when they're going to wake um it can be really stressful and hard to plan things it can make you sleep deprived and i see a lot of women who struggle just with anxiety um, around like infant sleep there's so many websites out there um, written by a lot of them are laymen um, just stating like what um, like sleep schedules and like how long they should be sleeping for in different age groups, um, their wake windows and like very precise and women who generally like have this need for like control and perfection and um, routine, they tend to hold on to these things too tightly. And then they start getting really anxious because they're like, oh, it's like three o'clock and my baby should have gone down for a nap and they haven't yet. And they get really stressed. I see a lot of women who come in because they're just like, I can't cope. Like what's wrong with my baby? What am I doing wrong? And I just see that sometimes like these schedules that they read online or hear about from other mums, you know, it can be very unhelpful because firstly, they're not research-based. Secondly, they're just like, it's like a one model fits all, which every baby is different. So I know my baby was, mm. baby was extremely low sleep needs compared to his other babies, his age. And so mm. it can make you feel like something is wrong if you follow these routines too closely. So what I would suggest to mums is... I guess as you're reading these things, just first of all, check your sources, make sure that they're research-based, um, take them lightly. Like, okay, maybe that's what some babies do, but always look at what works for your baby and try to follow their lead a little bit because sleep is one thing we cannot control. And it can get so obsessive to the point where women like won't even leave the house because they want to make sure that their baby like goes down at this time for their nap time. And that can lead to depression. So this is where my concern comes in, really. It's not so much about the infant 
about how it affects the mom mm. who gets so fixated on these schedules. And so the two schools of thought are either you sleep train your baby and um, they're the other school of thought is no sleep training, which is tough because it means you just need to kind of go with where your baby is at. Um, mm-hmm. And it might mean co-sleeping. It might mean like breastfeeding on demand, not really following any schedule. And I think in our society, it's, it is really hard because a lot of women have to go back to work. I think it's a societal issue as well. Right. Women have to go back to work sometimes at three to four months yeah. and they cannot cope with a baby who doesn't have a sleep routine. They mm-hmm. cannot be sleep deprived in their jobs. So they feel really stuck and desperate. And that's when they go and look into these kind of sleep training mm-hmm. schools. And for some women, right. you know, it works yeah. and, and it's very helpful. But the other school of thought is that it could be harmful for the baby because some of these, this training requires babies to cry it out. Um, so that's yeah. kind of just overview of these two schools. Yeah, I mean, I think on this point is like a huge part is actually the society because everybody has to work now because it's it's a necessity. But as like an outsider who's seeing it, the other part is also like the expectations versus reality conversation we've been having is that they think having a baby is at their convenience, right? And so once the baby comes, it's like, okay, now let me go back to my normal life. But there's no such thing. Your life is completely changed, right? So you have to adjust and create a new type of life and routine. And this kind of expectation that they set is is probably detrimental to their mental health in the long run. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, they may sometimes not really expect their lives to change so drastically. And so they may be looking at other moms and um, get their expectations from there. So I think asking Mm. themselves, where is this coming from? And being really realistic with that, like not adding pressure on yourself. Self-compassion is key to that. Just being kind to yourself, not comparing. um, And really, yeah, taking your time to get to where you are, not putting extra time pressure on yourself. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for listening to part one of our discussion with counselling psychologist Ashwini Manasse. Part two drops next week where we demystify postpartum in the context of relationship changes new mothers experience with themselves and their partners. With that said, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and select that follow or subscribe button. For now, stay safe and we'll see you next week.